The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hi, I'm Sarah Holder, a new host of the Big Take podcast. Today, I'm excited to share an episode from one of our sister shows, Elon Inc., Every week, it takes you inside Elon Musk's tech empire and the drama that always seems to be swirling around the founder himself. This week, what Musk's alleged drug use might mean for his businesses. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Well, Elon Musk is now the richest person on the planet. More than half the satellites in space are owned and controlled by one man. Starting his own artificial intelligence company. Well, he's a legitimate super genius. I mean, legitimate. He says he's always voted for Democrats, but this year it will be different. He'll vote Republican. There is a reason the U.S. government is so reliant on him. Elon Musk is a scam artist, and he's done nothing. Anything he does is fascinating to people. Welcome to Elon Inc., where we discuss Elon Musk's vast corporate empire, his latest gambits and antics, and how to make sense of it all. I'm your host, Joel Weber, sitting in for David Papadopoulos. It's been the talk of the town, so to speak, for these last few days. On Saturday night, the Wall Street Journal dropped a story detailing Elon Musk's alleged drug use over the past few years and discussed how it has, or hasn't, impacted his businesses. After a report from the Wall Street Journal claimed illegal drug use was the cause of some of Elon Musk's questionable behavior and executives are concerned about the impact on his companies, including Tesla and SpaceX. Musk has admitted to drug use before and, of course, smoked weed with Joe Rogan that one time during a taping of Rogan's podcast. So this wasn't exactly news, but the anecdotes raise important questions like could this impact Musk's status as a federal contractor? especially given how much business SpaceX does with the U.S. government. And we'll dig into another headache for Musk and SpaceX. Last week, the National Labor Relations Board issued a complaint over the 2022 firings of SpaceX employees who were critical of Musk's tweeting. SpaceX has since sued the NLRB in an attempt to halt the case. To discuss this and more, we'll convene Lauren Grush, Bloomberg's expert on all things SpaceX. Hi, Lauren. Hi, thanks for having me. Dana Hall, the world's most tenacious Tesla reporter. Hi, Dana. Good morning. And Max Chavkin, senior reporter at Bloomberg Businessweek. Hello. Okay, Lauren, I'm going to start with you. What did this article say? And was there anything newsworthy in here for you? I would say the biggest things that stood out to me, having covered SpaceX and this saga for some time, was an all-hands meeting that occurred in 2017 in which some executives were concerned about Elon's behavior. Apparently, he was slurring. And about 15 minutes into the all-hands, Gwen Shotwell, the president of SpaceX, supposedly had to step in and take over the all-hands meeting. And then I think most of the article referred to or referenced the 2018 Joe Rogan podcast incident 
which I think a lot of people are familiar with and which Elon Musk, you know, openly smoked something on, on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. It's thought to be marijuana. And that was a little more direct in that we all saw that happen. But that one was well documented at the time. There was a lot of fallout from that. SpaceX or NASA, you know, got concerned. They did an audit of SpaceX and Boeing's uh, safety cultures in the wake of that incident. Okay, you mentioned what happened on the Rogan podcast. We're just going to play that episode so that everybody can hear what went down. So is that a joint? Or is it a cigar? Yeah, it's no. Okay. It's um, marijuana it's, it's inside weird. of uh, tobacco. Oh, okay. So it's like posh, pot, tobacco, yeah. posh. You never had that? Yeah, I think I tried one once. Come on, man. You, <laughs> you probably can't because stockholders, right? I mean, it's legal, right? I think we call that a blunt, Dana. So, Dana, how do you feel like this Wall Street Journal reporting and story compares to the incident that Elon waded through when he was on that Rogan podcast? Yeah, well, the timing of this is very interesting to me. You know, 2018, Elon's companies were in a very precarious position. SpaceX had not yet flown astronauts to the space station. Tesla was struggling to ramp up the Model 3. And the guy was, like, exhausted, trying to keep both businesses afloat. It was, like, a really precarious time. And then the Joe Rogan thing was just, like, the stupidest thing he could have done. Five years later, he's like the richest man in the world. Both companies are doing great. SpaceX is the dominant launch provider. Tesla is like the best-selling EV maker in the world next to BYD. From where I sit, like Musk amplifying anti-Semitism had a far more severe market impact in terms of like stockholders being upset, pension funds writing letters, the stock actually moving than, than like this story about drug use. And I mean, I hate to be to break it to like the school marms in the audience, but a lot of people in tech and finance do drugs like a lot. It is a thing like and it's and I'm not trying to excuse the behavior, but you know, like Steve Jobs openly talked about how doing LSD like helps him become this creative genius. And I think that for Musk's fans, the fact that he is running all these companies while potentially being on drugs is like another sign of how he's this like incredible genius and blah, blah, blah. And it just sort of feeds into his aura. Okay. So there's, you know, things that he's used before that had been known, the ambience, the cannabis, but Max, LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, mushrooms, ketamine, some of which are, you know, ketamine in, in particular, he seems to have a prescription to help him do his thing with. But aren't those, isn't that a different nature of drug use when we were going into some illegal territory there? I mean, I think kind of what Dan is getting at, like, none of this is outside of the norm in Silicon Valley. And as, if the report- But he's left Silicon Valley, as, he's in Texas as, now. <laughs> as described by the Wall Street Journal, which is a, a handful of isolated incidents, uh, Rogan, he smoked a doobie on the Rogan podcast, he like takes some ketamine, he, there was a party at Art Basel. It, it isn't that much. And I think there are really like two possibilities here. One is Elon Musk is doing a lot of weird stuff online. And we talk about it all the time. And, and some of this stuff is damaging. And one way to talk about that, if you are a, a Tesla board member or a SpaceX board member or a critic, is to blame something like drug use. The other possibility is maybe there's more to this story that was unreported. And like, that's kind of what Dana is hinting at. Like, I guess that's the other possibility. But as it exists now, it, it just doesn't seem all that damning. I'm going to bring up his response, which he posted on X on Monday. Whatever I'm doing, I should obviously keep doing it. And then he responded to himself a little bit later, or actually just another user, and said, 
if drugs actually helped improve my net productivity over time, I would definitely take them. So let's say he is a drug user and is using them a lot. How does this go over with his people? I mean, the way you read that is funny. It sounds like he said as he took a long drag from a, you know, healthy joint. It's hard to say. I mean, I think he's we should also proviso like it is not good to violate federal contracting rules if you are a federal contractor. But on the other hand, it's very hard to see the U.S. government taking any kind of serious corrective action because, of course, as we've talked about many times, they need SpaceX and 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 people are not necessarily calling into question rockets. And also, newsflash, not a huge surprise that Elon Musk is not respecting laws, norms or regulations. Dana, do you think there's any version of key man risk here? Key man risk being a term that we talk about in corporations a lot around corporations, right? If If there is a CEO who can no longer do his job or her job, perhaps the comp- that puts the company at risk. Do you think that there's any version of this that key man risk plays out over this scenario? Well, so, te- you know, Tesla and their regulatory filings always talk about key man risk. I mean, they always say we are highly dependent on the services of Elon Musk, who is not a- our full-time CEO and runs several other companies. And so, yeah, I will like roll over if like the next, you know, 10, if the 10K says and like our CEO is a drug addict and there's a key man risk that he might go to rehab and we'd be without like a CEO. I mean, that would be amazing. Elon is just not a typical CEO. And I think that the trap that a lot of journalists, frankly, fall into is like we're trying to like establish these norms for him when he has broken all the norms and been wildly successful at it. And investors care about one thing, and that is the return on their money. Like since he smoked pot on the Joe Rogan show, which we all know was like a big deal that really like hurt his reputation, hurt his standing with NASA, caused this big furor. Like the stock has returned. I didn't even check. I don't know. Like what? Like 1,200%? I mean, so like fundamentally, his the investors are like, they, they are used to him being a weird guy. I love that Dana is a, 420 friendly money manager over here <laughs> saying like, ever since he started smoking weed his the performance has improved. You know, that's not to say that the I mean, it's, clearly it seems like the board has concerns. So, you know, I would love to know more about like what exactly were the concerns. But I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to be like, do drugs. Drugs are great. But I'm just saying that like a lot of people in power use drugs and a lot of people in power also use alcohol. Thing is, though, if the financial performance turns around, then the story changes completely. And and Dana Strandon wrote a story about this the other day and made the point that, like, this is going to wind up in shareholder lawsuits. And and by by going around talking about how fun it is to mix red wine and Ambien, you're essentially giving ammunition to critics if the stock ever takes a dive, right? Now we've got a great... Now anyone who wants to explain why companies aren't performing well, if they stop performing well, has a great story to tell. I mean, you'd have to really prove that it was because of the drug use. You'd have to, like, prove that, like, he made a, a critical decision that was bad for the company because he was on drugs at the time. Lauren, I, I, I want to bring it back to you because if there were one company that seemed like it might have to deal with this a little bit more than anybody else, it would probably be SpaceX because of the federal contracts the company has. And one thing that's different now than in the Rogan episode was that, as, as I think Dana alluded to earlier, this is how the U.S. gets astronauts to the International Space Station. So what might happen and unfold at SpaceX or between SpaceX and, you know, any sort of drug testing that might have to go down? 
Well, I think you kind of pointed it out. There's two key things that I want to bring attention to and why it's different now and why I think the response will be different. Back in 2018, SpaceX hadn't launched people yet. So there was still concern about whether or not this was a good idea using commercial companies to actually launch astronauts to the International Space Station. And so when he took that drag, you know, they were they were thinking, okay, maybe we do one last gut check on in terms of this space, the safety culture at these companies. And so that was really what prompted it. Now SpaceX has proven that it can safely deliver astronauts to and from the International Space Station on a routine basis. So giving up that capability is going to be extremely difficult. The other thing that I think is different is that we saw him take the hit on the Joe Rogan podcast. Like we had direct evidence that he did that. Whereas with this Wall Street Journal story, they're referencing that 2017 all hands meeting. And they, they even said in the story, it could not be determined if the reason for his slurring was drugs. And SpaceX did post what appears to be the all hands that was referenced in the Wall Street Journal article. And having covered Elon for a long time, I watched that video and it seemed pretty standard, awkward, public speaking Elon to me. But I, you know, I can't determine what was going on in uh, before he took the stage in that video. But Point being, I don't think we have a direct piece of evidence as we did with the Joe Rogan podcast to prompt another substantial audit like NASA did back in 2018. Is it clear if Elon has ever taken a drug test and or passed or failed a drug test? Max? They've said he has. I think our assumption is that he has and he's passed. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Dana? He tweeted that he has, right? He tweeted that he, like, was tested randomly. At tweeted SpaceX or X'd? X, I'm sorry, X'd. he X'd that he okay, had okay. been okay. randomly drug tested at SpaceX for three years and always passed with flying colors. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how, I don't know when the most recent test was. I have no idea. Okay, now we're going to focus on SpaceX and some dueling stories that involve the National Labor Relations Board. The NLRB issued a complaint about SpaceX and, and a labor situation there and is scheduled to hear that case in March. SpaceX has since sued the NLRB, saying the agency is unconstitutional and the suit should be dismissed. All of this relates to a story that Lauren Grush broke for The Verge before she joined Bloomberg. So, Lauren, we're going to start with you. Yeah, so that was a very intense week back in 2022. Basically, I was going home for the day, which is when you get your best tips, you know, and someone leaked to me that there was an internal letter going around within SpaceX. And it was a letter posted to their Microsoft Teams channels, and that it was pretty critical of Elon. And they were saying, you know, I think the, the line that I kept pulling for stories was that he was a frequent source of embarrassment for the company and that they were calling on SpaceX to distance its, him, itself from his public comments, that they should be better about sexual harassment. How did the company respond? Yeah, so it was the, the letter was up for about a day and a half before they pulled it down from the team's channels. And then uh, after we pu published our report, I started to hear that a bunch of the people associated with the letter were getting fired. And then Gwen Shotwell sent out an email to the company 
really, a really peculiar email, in my opinion, because it was basically saying that these rogue employees, I don't remember the exact text, but it was like these rogue employees were distracting all of their coworkers and harassing them by telling them to sign on to this, this letter, you know, is a really very aggressive email painting a negative picture of the employees. And so it was a saga that, that ended very quickly because they, they swiftly fired the employees. And then after that, we, I, I spoke with some of the employees who were involved and they told me, you know, how many people actually signed on to the letter before it was taken down. It was hundreds of employees, but then, yeah, after they were fired, they, were discussing, you know, whether that was actually a lawful move for them to be terminated because they were simply expressing concerns about their workplace conditions. And Shotwell, chief operating officer for SpaceX, what is the most recent news then that's come out? Because that was everything that went down there was 2022. So here we are now, 2024, National Labor Relations Board files this complaint, which is technically its first move. What does that complaint say and how has SpaceX responded? Yeah, so essentially it confirms what the employees were thinking is that they were illegally fired for voicing concerns about their workplace conditions. And given the fact that Elon Musk is the CEO of the company, you know, what he says and does can be considered, you know, affecting people's workplace and and how they perform that job. And then not not very long after the complaint was issued, uh, SpaceX sued the, and this is the, the part where it gets a little wonky, but essentially they were saying that the way that the NLRB is structured is unconstitutional. And so they're trying to basically get out of it. But what was really interesting about that that lawsuit is SpaceX alleges that, you know, the letter was a source of distraction for SpaceX employees and that the employees who were fired were fired for violating various company policies. They didn't go into detail about it, but that's that is their defense. That's the, the biggest defense I've seen from SpaceX since this whole thing went down. Lauren, as best as you can tell, what's the vibe within SpaceX right now? I think the vibe, to be honest, is that everybody's kind of putting their heads down and, and working. You know, um, this was probably the first time I had seen employees within the company openly speaking about Elon. And it sadly confirmed a lot of their fears, which is that if you do that, you'll get fired. And so I think the the vibe within the company is that they're just not going to do that anymore. You know, if they do, I will be surprised and will happily report on it. But yeah, I think it confirmed most people's suspicions that, you know, you can't speak up against the boss or you'll you'll be in trouble. The reaction is also just sort of classic in that now SpaceX is suing the NLRB, basically saying that what they're doing is like unconstitutional overreach and really going like guns blazing at the agency itself, which is, you know, another another sort of tactic that Elon has never shied away from using. He, he thinks that regulation is run amok and there's too many rules and they're going to really go all out after this agency. And I got to say, I do think talking about these two stories kind of in tandem is instructive. You mean the drug use plus this? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because on one hand, you know, there's this kind of like divide where, where there's like the, the weird stuff Elon tweets and the stuff weird stuff he says and then the stuff he actually does. 
And I really think we spend probably, and not just us, but investors and everybody spend probably too much time talking about the says versus the does. And, he, you know, here we have some like legitimately uh, bad behavior, right? We have credible allegations of sexual harassment. There was also an earlier allegation made by some SpaceX interns of sexual harassment at the company. Yes. And the response- Also reported on that. Yeah. And the response was- you know, basically to shut it down, to dictatorial. It's it's basically the opposite of what Elon Musk says he is. You know, you had you had employees who seem to be and maybe I'm maybe I'm putting too much on them. But and Lauren can correct me, but seem to be raising, number one, legitimate questions in a way that doesn't doesn't seem from the outside to be not constructive. It seems like they were attempting to address this real issue. And yeah, and they were and they were squashed. Right. And that's concerning. And I'd say I'd argue more concerning from like a perspective of safety and all the things, all the reasons you might be worried about Elon Musk drug use. This should concern you because like what happens if there's a legitimate, if there's a door fall, not to, you know, make the Boeing comparison, but right, there's the doors falling off of these um, Boeing jets. You know, what happens if there's a similar safety problem? You have employees calling attention to it. You want to have reporting mechanisms. You don't want to have a company that just shuts down any dissent. It's really bad at any company, and it seems especially bad at a company like SpaceX. And Dan, if there was one thing that sort of linked thematically some of Elon's company, it would seem to be labor relations and sort of the poor state of them. There's SpaceX and X, obviously, uh, when it went through the transition from Twitter. Tesla, we, we've had multiple in the LRB stories there. What, what about the other ones in his universe? The, you know, the, the Neuralink and the Boring. Is there anything else out there? Well, I guess I would just say that I think that fundamentally a lot of employees really take pride in their work, particularly engineers. I mean, these are mission-driven companies that have Within really, Elon's companies, you Within mean, Elon's yeah. companies, yeah. I mean, these are mission-driven companies, and people are really drawn to the mission, and people really like working there in general. And they wear the SpaceX jackets and the Tesla ball caps, and like, there's just like an enormous amount of pride. I think you have to separate out like working for the company and working for Elon. But yeah, I mean, these are not unionized workforces. And like any effort to unionize or criticize dear leader is like completely shut down, like almost instantly, which is what we've seen at all of his companies. I mean, I can't speak to Neuralink and Boring, but like you can't criticize the boss. Basically. I also think the through line through these two stories is kind of like the double standard of when Elon's antics are a problem and then when they aren't, you know, when he smoked pot, you know, everyone was very upset because there is a very clear clause in NASA contracts that states that you're supposed to have a drug-free workforce. But I think what SpaceX tried to do after that was say, oh, you know, this wasn't a big deal. You know, look, see, we have a totally drug-free workforce. It's totally fine. But then when you call out behavior about sexual harassment and making light of sexual harassment, then they say, oh, you can't do that. You know, Elon is SpaceX and SpaceX is Elon. That was something that one of the the vice presidents said. So it's like there, there's the moving goalpost of when we are allowed to, to be upset about Elon's behavior and when you can't criticize him at all. Now for our final segment of the week, feud of the week. Max Chapkin, do you know who the feud with between Elon oh, and... Oh, man. It's my favorite other billionaire Texas slash professional billionaire. wrestler who's yeah. not named Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Cuban, who's kind of like the original, in some ways, like a pioneer of the trolling, you know, billionaire category. But I think Elon took that to new heights. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So what is the feud with Mark Cuban? Though? Okay, so so Elon Musk has been, you know, for whatever reason, uh, we can debate, you know, going on and on and on and on and on and on about, you know, the woke mind virus and the, and the evils of diversity in the workplace. Again, this is probably a potential problem for some of the companies he runs, but let's leave that aside. Mark Cuban chimed in and offered what was really like just a kind of bland, I'd say, kind of conventional wisdom-y defense of diversity, equity, and inclusion in, in companies. Mark Cuban saying essentially, hey, like this allows us to, to you know, overcome some of our biases, to hire uh, uh, from, from more diverse pools of people, get consider new perspectives. I also should say Mark Cuban, a big time libertarian, right? You know, too much for Elon Musk. And he's basically essentially spent the next few days, you know, calling Mark Cuban a racist, cringe, you know, essentially using Mark Cuban as a punchline for his conservative followers, which let's be honest, it's not that hard to do that with Mark Cuban. I mean, there is a lot that is obnoxious and cringe and so on about Mark Cuban. So so it's kind of like easy pickings. And and we have what essentially is like a professional wrestling match between two billionaires, uh, which, you know, we've had, we've seen this unfold before. How has Cuban responded so far? He's continued to offer sensible, and I can't believe I'm saying this, because again, like this is a guy who, you know, is famous for getting fined by the NBA and and is, you know, a, a Shark Tank judge. Like, I'm going to be careful, but it has not always behaved like the most serious figure, but has generally attempted to, like, defend DEI in libertarian-friendly ways and is essentially just getting shouted down by, you know, Elon and his, his buddies. And it seems like both are kind of riding the uh, engagement wave on this. Okay. Dana, I'm going to ask for an impartial view of Feud of the Weeks. How does this one rank compared to other Feuds of the Week that Elon Musk has had? I would call it a mid-level feud. I mean, like, like a simmering of, five? Like, is it re yeah, like, like rolling boil like, yet? Yeah, I, th I think what's interesting to me is that Okay, you have to remember that Tesla is currently being sued by the EEOC and the state of California for anti-black racism at, at its factory in, in California. And, you know, Tesla has an incredibly diverse workplace and the company released its first ever DEI report in 2020. Now the DEI stuff is all, always part of the annual impact report. So you have this company that has made an enormous strides in terms of DEI as a corporation. And now the CEO is basically crapping all over DEI, saying that it's reverse racism. So I just really wonder, like, is Tesla going to have a DEI report for 2023 or not? Like, is that work being dismantled? Like, what exactly are they doing at the company level here? It's easy to sort of laugh at this. It's like two, you know, billionaires barking at each other loudly. Texas billionaires. Yeah. But if you're if you are like a person of color at one of these companies, like it would feel pretty bad to have to like have, you know, basically a, a, a very pretty sensible explanation of like why it makes sense to, to not hire an exclusively white male workforce and to just have that kind of laughed off. Like this kind of thing is is like it isn't good for sort of re regulatory reasons, but also just for like morale reasons and so on. It, it strikes me as not great. I also want to point that if, you know, given my experience with SpaceX and what I know about SpaceX it does fly in the face of at least past experience because they do have DEI efforts. They have women's groups within the company that they celebrate. You know, Gwen has also spoken publicly about trying to do better in terms of boosting diversity within the company. So I don't know if that's going to change, but I at least know past efforts at SpaceX have tried to, you know, make that a priority. A somber ending to this feud of the week. But I, I will say, I think it's like, Dana's right. It's like a mid-tier feud. Okay. This is not like, this is not your like, 
you know, Michelin star 11 course tasting menu of feuds. This is like, I mean, the, the, the solid, one was, right? This I mean, is like it, solid midweek date night. You know, it's like a farm to table restaurant. It's like pretty good, but like not, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Max Shafkin, Lauren Grush, Dana Hole, thanks so much for joining us on Elon Inc. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. This episode was produced by Stacey Wong. Naomi Shaven and Rehan Harmanchi are our senior editors. The idea for this very show also came from Rehan. Blake Maples handles engineering, and we get special editing assistance from Jeff Grocott. Our supervising producer is Magnus Hendrickson. The Elon Inc. theme is written and performed by Taka Yazazawa and Alex Segura. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcast and our executive producer. I'm Joel Weber. David Papadopoulos will finally be back next week. If you have a minute, please rate and review our show. It'll help other listeners find us. See you next week. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.